to mask or not to mask? That is the question. A woman pokes the bear literally and critical race theory indoctrination that divides. All this and your moment of common sense coming up on The Common Sensian. Common sense ain't that common anymore. Seems common sense is past tense just like the dinosaur. Political correctness has got a lot to answer for Cause common sense ain't that common anymore Hey everybody and welcome, I'm Jerry, your host of The Common Sense. And guys, this is our relaunch episode and I am super excited to start bringing this content to you. It is our very first episode and hopefully it's going to be the first of many, many more to come. Long-term goals here at The Common Sense, and you know, we'd like to eventually create a lot of content for you that's interesting and engaging, that gets you to engage with us, and we can talk about the things that are affecting us in the world today. Everything from, you know, social norms to uh, the weird and wacky and wild out there, and applying all sorts of common sense to it, so we can all have a general understanding of what in the world's going on, and all of this can come from a place of equality, Right. Right now in our world, in our country today, there is just so much divide, so much hate and anger from the left, from the right, uh, from you know Antifa, Black Lives Matter, freaking the police, is all across the board. Problems and headaches, and it's, it's horrible. You wake up every day with just an impending sense of doom, because it seems as though everybody hates everybody, and no one can really isolate why. And I think that's because there's a lot of common sense missing from the world today. You know, if we just sat down and looked at issues and applied a little bit of our common sense to them, I think that we'd be able to find common ground to have good discussions where we come up with good solutions and understand each other's positions better, right? But here's how we're going to do it. We're going to use the common sensing as a platform and move forward and try to discuss things going on in our world today that affect us and affect everybody else and apply a heaping dose of common sense. Also, we'd like to have, you know, guest hosts on, speakers uh, people who want to interact and have that good conversation as well as go out and visit other podcasts, other video casts and have that good conversation with them as well. So I'm super excited to do all of this and bring all of this to you. And hopefully our episodes are engaging, fun and entertaining and they're what you like. If you are watching us on YouTube or one of the many other platforms that we're going to be published on, uh, as far as podcast platforms like anchor pod chaser, um, all of them across the board, YouTube is where I primarily am now. Uh, hopefully you can hit that like, hit that subscribe, hit that follow button, jump in the respective comments and let us know, hey, what do you think? What were your thoughts about our episodes? What are your general thoughts? What are your thoughts in general about the world, society, things going on and things that you'd like to see a little bit of common sense applied to? So that's what we're going to do. And this is our first episode and hopefully they'll get better as we go. Now, before I get started, I do want to give a big shout out to a bunch of folks over there. I met them on uh, Twitter. The Twitter community for podcasting and video casting is amazing. They are super helpful. Everybody's very friendly. Uh, my encounters this week with a bunch of podcasters, uh, two in particular, has been amazing. They've showed me the ropes over there on Twitter, given me some really solid pointers on podcasting, and they're just freaking amazing folks. So if you want to check out my Twitter, at CommonSensian, uh, check out who I'm following, check out who's following me, and you will find a bunch of awesome, solid people, solid podcasts uh, in those groups. And I'd highly advise you to check them out, right? Follow them, check them out, listen to their podcasts, see what they're doing. There's some really great stuff out there, guys, and you'd be doing yourself an injustice not to take a look. So with all of that being said, 
let's dive right into things today in our first segment called To Mask or Not to Mask? That is the question. Guys, COVID-19 has been a thing for the last year or so. It's been a big thing in our communities and society. But COVID-19, or the COVID virus, SARS essentially, has been a huge thing for a long time. What we're seeing now, however, is that we had to mask, we had to quarantine, we had to take all of these safety precautions because there wasn't a vaccine. And the government swore to us up one side and down the other, vaccine, vaccine, vaccine is going to solve the problem. Everybody gets vaccinated, no issues, right? Across the board, we're doing great things. So what happens? Well, Pfizer, Moderna, Johnson & Johnson, they all get these vaccines squared away. People start getting them. A good majority of the population is vaccinated. There's still a majority of the, or a section of the majority of the population that is not vaccinated. But now we got to take off our masks. We get to kind of go back to a little bit of normal. And all of a sudden, here comes this Delta variant. And the Delta variant now is supposed to be super quick spreading, as contagious as the chicken pox used to be. Um, and it's going to be horrible, right? And what you're hearing from the left is doom and gloom and fire from the sky. And oh my gosh, this Delta variant basically is going to kill everybody, right? Not actually what they're saying, but that's the vibe that we get. So what do we do from a common sense perspective as citizens when we hear these horrible things? You know, this virus is mutating, it's becoming more powerful. What do we do? Well, we turn to our leaders. We turn to the Centers for Disease Control. We turn to our president, our vice president. We turn to our physicians to find out what in the world is this and how do we protect ourselves. And that's just what I did when researching this article. So I'd let you know that the CDC director, all right, whose name is Rochelle Walensky, came out and said this. Studies have shown that those vaccinated individuals who do become infected with COVID have just as much viral load as the unvaccinated making it possible for them to spread the virus to others based on that finding the cdc director says they are reinstituting mask mandates and they are the recommendation for mask mandates social distancing and all of the stuff that we just came through a year ago now we can get real deep into opinions and facts on masks all right opinion i don't think they work i don't think they're great that's my opinion facts there are masks out there that do work your m95 and higher masks are effective at stopping viral transmission, or at least mitigating viral transmission. However, M95s are not the mask of the day in society, right? At the place where I work, you don't have M95 masks. They're the basic $2 little surgical masks that are made in Taiwan. They're, the porosity of the mask is greater than the size of a virus, all right? Virus measured in at what? Half a micron to a micron, maybe? Itty bitty, super tiny, microscopic? And the holes in these masks, all right, are larger than the dimensions of the virus. So common sense dictates big hole, small virus, not really stopping anything. What you are stopping? Uh, spitting on people. So if spitting on people is an epidemic, a pandemic, uh, we can stop that with some masks. Viral transmission with these masks? Because you don't even have to wear a mask. You can wear those little neck gaiters, anything that covers your mouth. They're cool. As long as there's something on your face and you are conforming to what you're being told, all right? Whether it stops anything or not appears to be, from a common sense perspective, pretty damn irrelevant. All right? But that's what they want us to go back to. Why? Not real sure. That's for you to decide. But if you have any ideas, drop down in the comments. Let me know. Let me know what you're thinking, and we'll try to put some common sense to that as well. So I'm reading this article from uh, NBC News, and it says that, you know, what I just told you, that Walensky says, hey, you can transmit it if you've been vaccinated. You can get it if you've been vaccinated. And if you do, 
you will carry the same viral load as someone who is unvaccinated, right? It it's, might as well not even have the vaccination because you're going to get it, you're going to transmit it, it's going to be just as horrible, all right? And this is a big thing that she goes on to say in this article, and then in the very next breath, a quote from our Vice President Harris comes out and blows my mind, all right? Vice President Harris is quoted as saying, people need to get vaccinated. This is the only way we're going to cut this thing off. Nobody likes wearing a mask, so get vaccinated. And this is where I want to pump the brakes and say I have an issue. My common sense is freaking popping off, right? Because in one paragraph, the CDC director says, hey, vaccinated or not, this Delta variant, you can get it, you can transmit it, and it's going to be just as virally dangerous as if you didn't have a vaccine. And then our vice president comes out and says, get a vaccine. It's the only way we're going to stop it. You must get vaccinated. And to me, from a common sense standpoint, it sounds a lot like the White House's agenda is to push these vaccines clearly against guidance from the CDC that says, hey, vaccinated or not, you're still going to get it. You're still going to transmit it. It's still going to be horrible. So which is it? Do the vaccines work and keep us safe and prevent illness and sickness? Or do the vaccines not work and we need to put on these masks that also aren't stopping the viruses and social distance and disrupt our entire lives because of COVID? The survival rate of COVID has not changed. It is still at 99% for individuals who are youth to middle-aged adults with no health complications, right? 99% you're surviving this just like you would the flu, just like you would the chicken pox or any other viral infection. All right. The demographic that it does affect very poorly, as we all know, are the elderly and those who are immunocompromised. All right. But that's the same threat level from the flu, from chickenpox, from, uh, in, uh, I already said the flu, pneumonia, pretty much anything out there that's a virus or a bacterial infection or anything else that's going to affect individuals who are immunocompromised or elderly with weakened immune systems, right? Nothing has changed. The survival rate of this still 99%. The CDC director goes off to say that this is spreading with the virility of the old, of the chickenpox virus, right? And if any of you are old enough to remember, like I was in the 80s, chickenpox was considered a pandemic at the time, all right? And how did we handle it in the 80s? Well, if little Johnny down the road got the chickenpox, then Johnny's mom would get with Jenny's mom, and Jenny's mom would get with Susie's mom, and Susie's mom would get with my mom, and we would all get together and play a board game or play with toys because we didn't have the internet back then. So it was like, you know, He-Man and, and uh, Glowworm and they were fighting and battling it out, right? But the key point here is <clears throat> we were all in a room for the, extent, for the express purpose of contracting the chicken pox. Because once you got it, since the survival rate with that pandemic as well was super duper high, where again, you get the chicken pox, your body would fight it off, you would build immunity to the chicken pox, and then you were immune, right? That's how that worked. I have a little chicken pox scar, worst thing I brought out of it, right? So if this is spreading like the chicken pox and it's that freaking horrible, but there's a 99.9% .9 survival rate, or 90, let's say 99%, that 0.9 might not be a thing, but let's say 99% survival rate here, right? Why are we freaking out? Why is the CDC calling for mass mandates in schools? Why are they calling for mass mandates at our jobs? Why are they calling for mass mandates across the board? And if the masks aren't really doing anything for you, the only thing they're really stopping is getting spit on, right? Then why, or if they're supposed to help rather, why is the vice president of the United States calling on more vaccines, everybody get vaccine, it's the only way to stop it, when their CDC director is saying, the vaccine doesn't matter, you're going to get the variant, you're going to transmit the variant, and it's going to be just as virally contagious, just as deadly, just as harmful. Food for thought, guys. I don't know. 
Something to definitely look into, however. But I'd like to continue here with this article because a couple other neat points are being made. So you've just heard that the vice president says get vaccinated. The CDC says, hey, vaccinated or not, you're screwed, right, essentially. So then the announcement is made by the CDC, and the attending physician for Congress, Dr. Brian Monahan, said in an alert to the House members Tuesday that people are required to wear a mask again inside the chamber and office buildings and in committee meetings. Well, of course, that caused a huge uproar amongst the parties, all right? Because House members who have been duking it out for months over measures to curb the spread of COVID-19 are saying, hey, wait a second, why am I wearing a mask if I'm vaccinated? And if the vaccines don't work, then why are we pushing vaccines on everybody? You can't have one or the other, all right? The quote came out by Representative Scott Perry, a Republican from Pennsylvania, and he said, Nancy Pelosi is not the law. This is tyranny. First off, Nancy Pelosi is huge on pushing uh, the vaccines and the masks and the social distancing and basically everything to keep us controlled, right? And I'm not a big conspiracy theorist. I don't think really there's anybody out there freaking pulling the puppet strings. But there's a lot of questionable stuff going on, guys. But anyway, Mr. Perry says, Nancy Pelosi is not the law. This is tyranny. Uh, he said this Thursday in a news conference held by members of the conservative House Freedom Caucus. This is tyranny and somebody has to say something and do something about it. So the argument here is that the right people on the right are saying, and, and most people with common sense are saying, since the vaccine doesn't work, should we mask? If we mask, we already know that that doesn't really help prevent anything from getting spit on unless you're wearing an M95 or greater. So why are we masking? We're also aware the statistics show a 99% survival rate and that the most threatened demographic, again, is seniors and immunocompromised. So here's my common sense approach to all of this, right? To mask or not to mask. Here's my thoughts. If you're going to go visit someone who is elderly, someone who is immunocompromised, if you have a family member who is elderly or immunocompromised, or if you're going to be in a situation with somebody in the demographic that is really, really susceptible to COVID and could potentially die from it, put on a mask, all right? Wear your mask, stay six feet away, because you may not be, pre be preventing the transmission of the virus, but at least you're doing something to mitigate it, all right? You're mitigating it for that at-risk section of the populace. But as far as our children, middle-aged adults, people who are not immunocompromised and are generally healthy is concerned, there is absolutely, in my opinion and in my common sense, no need for a mask, no need for the social distancing amongst the group that is not as susceptible. There is absolutely no need to mask our children in schools, all right? Because again, science, which everybody says they like to follow, has shown that in the demographic of youth to middle age without immunocompromising issues or underlying other health conditions, there's a 99% survival rate. That's better than pretty much every other virus out there ever. Okay? So why are we doing this as a country, as our government? Why are they pushing these masks and these vaccines on us so hard? I don't know. But it doesn't make sense. And my common sense tells me that there's something a lot bigger going on than just the need to have a vaccine or the need to wear a mask. And why they're trying to do it universally across the board, also unknown to me. But here's what I'm going to do. Common sense tells me it is unnecessary to mask. Common sense tells me it is unnecessary to social distance. Common sense tells me it is unnecessary to become vaccinated. So I'm not going to do any of those things. You can make your own choice. All right. But if the CDC is telling me the vaccine's not worth a damn, and we already know the masks aren't really doing anything other than mitigating some spittle and possible transmission to people who are at risk, I'm not going to do it. Right. 
That's my common sense directing my life on how I should do things. Now, if you feel more comfortable or better about yourself wearing that mask, getting that vaccine, doing those things, if that makes you feel that you're doing something correct or appropriate or works for you, then by all means, please go and do that. But my argument here is that the government really needs to pump the brakes on what they're doing here because they are, they're walking a thin line on right infringement here. Right? And if you haven't noticed, guys, over the course of the last year or so, our rights are getting infringed quite a bit. And this whole on-again, off-again mass thing, on-again, off-again virus thing, it doesn't need to happen. This is something that is ridiculous, it's statistically ignorant, and we really need to revisit that. So that's my thought on to mask or not to mask. I think, no, I'm not going to mask. To vaccinate or not to vaccinate, I'm not going to. All right? I'm also not going to purposely go and interact with members of the community who are at high risk. And if I do, I will take the necessary precautions to help prevent the spread of COVID-19. Because guess what, guys? COVID-19, it's real. It's a thing. So is the flu. So is the chicken pox. So is the common cold. So is pneumonia. All right? And just like if I was going to the hospital to visit my grandmother who has pneumonia, I'm going to put on a surgical mask. I'm not going to give her any opportunity to get a bacteria or a virus from me that's going to cause her complications Common sense, same thing with COVID. All right, guys, let me know what you think about that to mask or not to mask question. Jump down there in the comments. Let me know what you think. Again, if you're watching us on YouTube, hit that like, hit that subscribe, hit that follow. Hit us up on Twitter at CommonSensian. And uh, you can always reach out to me at my Gmail, which is CommonSensian at gmail.com. Coming up next to the CommonSensian, an Illinois woman decides to poke the bear, literally. All right, everybody, here we are next segment, a lady poking the bear. All right, this is coming out of Billings, Montana. And this one is funny and, and tragic all at the same time. All right, so I'll read to you a little bit of this article and then we'll discuss. An Illinois woman faces criminal charges after she was captured on video being bluff charged by a grizzly bear while she was taking photos in Yellowstone National Park. The woman was among a small group of tourists who spotted the female grizzly and her two cubs on May 15th in the roaring Montana area of the park. All right. This was reported by the Billings Journal Gazette, or Gazette rather. Witnesses told investigators that when they saw the bears coming closer, they returned to their vehicles as they're supposed to do. All right. And warned the woman to get back in her car, but she didn't until after the grizzly charged her. The sow grizzly, the mother grizzly, right? Mama bear protecting baby bears common sense. Investigators got a warrant to search the suspect's social media posts after receiving a tip from someone who saw her posting uh, a video with the suspect's name tagged in it. The Carroll Stream, Illinois woman faces charges of feeding, touching, teasing, frightening, or intentionally disturbing wildlife and violating closures and use limits. An initial court appearance has been set for August 26th and the woman has not yet entered a plea. Wow! Guys, come on now. Common sense. Now, this, this one's funny, right? So let's put ourselves in this woman's shoes because maybe we're missing something. I'm a tourist at Yellowstone National Park. And if any of you guys have ever been out to any of the national parks, there's really strict guidelines and very thorough information dissemination about how to interact with wildlife and what to do when inter wildlife interacts with you. So a giant grizzly bear and her cubs, a sow, right? And I think... I think it's safe to say that from a common sense standpoint, the old saying, you know, a mama bear will always protect her cubs. 
right? Or you hear people on TikTok all the time or people out in society, you know, I'm a mama bear, I'm going to protect my kids. This is a known quantity. This is something that we know is going to happen. A mama bear is going to protect her cubs, much the same way that a mother lion will protect her cubs or you're going to protect your kids. It's a thing. Now, perceived threat is a whole other issue. But when you're standing out there, flash photography, snapping pictures and creating a ruckus right in a dang bear's face, and the bear charges you, and you don't get back in your vehicle. Well, first off, you didn't get back in your vehicle like you were supposed to. Everybody else had good common sense, and they decided to get back in their vehicles. So, I don't know, they wouldn't get eaten by the bear, right? But you're going to stand out there like a nitwit, taking pictures and making noises and antagonizing this mother bear who has these cubs with her, and the bear charges you. You deserve everything you got. You deserve it. You deserve to get eaten. It's a thing. All right? Luckily, she didn't get eaten. And yes, I truly do believe that this woman should be taken into court and held very accountable for the danger that not only she put herself in, but for everybody else around her. Because once you take off a bear, all right, the bear isn't going to care that freaking John over here got in his car and did the right thing, or that Susan over here was on her way to her car to do the right thing. The bear is just going to start freaking screwing people up because that's what bears do, right? Common sense, lady. Common sense. So the next time, if you're watching my podcast or if someone's watching my podcast who knows this lady, or or if you happen to be one of those individuals who wants to go out and antagonize bears, right? Remember this. Common sense is always going to dictate that when it's you versus bear, follow the rules, do what you're supposed to do, don't antagonize it, put the dang camera flash away and get back in your vehicle where it's safe. That way, you're not in danger, no one else is in danger, and you can enjoy the park the way it was meant to be enjoyed without maulings and being eaten. Wow. That's fantastic. Jiminy Christmas. All right, guys, our next episode, I know it was a little short one there, but I thought it was funny. I want to throw it in there and include it. But the next segment of our show is one that has really got me ruffled. Critical race theory, the indoctrination that divides. And we're going to talk about that coming up next on The Common Sensian. All right, Common Sensians, welcome to our last segment of the day. Critical race theory, indoctrination that divides. All right, common sense needs to be applied in everything that we do. And that's what we're trying to show here at The Common Sensian. And sometimes we're going to have views that kind of go along with what the right the right leaning way of thinking. And sometimes we're going to side with the left, right? Because everybody has good ideas and everybody has bad ideas. And at the end of the day, they're just all ideas on how to get to the same end goal, right? Which is how to be a better society that, you know, is accepting of people and we move forward and do great things. Critical race theory, not one of those things, all right? In my opinion. And I'm going to explain to you why. So first off, for those of you who don't know already... Critical race theory is basically the theory that says the systematic racism in the United States and the policies that were generated due to racism help and aid or are primarily responsible for the oppression of minorities and their inability to succeed in our society. That is critical race theory in a nutshell. It also points out that by being white, we are white people are systemically racist and the cause for all of the oppression and misfortune in our society. All right. Mm, see, I don't like that. I don't think that's the case. I don't believe that that's the case. Uh, and I'll explain to you why throughout the course of this segment. But I want to go over five things that I found, five things about critical race theory that prove all it's doing is indoctrinating our children and creating a divide 
in a time when we don't need any more division. All right. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to read these five things to you and we're going to discuss, talk about them, see what's going on. As always, jump in the comments. Let me know your thoughts on these things. What's your position? What's your stance? Hit me up at Twitter at CommonSenseian. Hit me up on Gmail, commonsensian at gmail.com. Let me know what you guys think so we can have this conversation. If you want to have a, uh, if you're a podcaster or someone who'd like to be on the podcast and maybe discuss these things in greater detail, I am more than willing to entertain that. Hit me up on one of those sources that we've mentioned and uh, we'll see what we can't get going. All right, guys, but here for our last segment, critical race theory, indoctrination that divides number one example, children for communism. I'll read this article to you real quick, or this segment to you real quick, and then we'll discuss. So it says, Earlier this year, a whistleblower uncovered a fifth grade social studies lesson in Philadelphia that asked students to celebrate the black communist Angela Davis. Students were, act, asked, excuse me, students were asked to act out free Angela Davis rallies, demanding that the government release the Black Panther imprisoned on charges of murder, conspiracy, and kidnapping. The Philadelphia public school system released an anti-racism declaration last summer that said educators must no longer be passive or just disjointed in their approach. They went on to say, the, this is the Philadelphia public school system, went on to say that race is the social construction that set the foundation and built the infrastructure for the United States as we know it today. Racism is the root of all other forms of injustice and provides a nourishment needed for other systems of oppression to thrive. As such, in order to destroy the tree, we cannot simply pick up the leaves or chop away at the trunk. We must destroy the roots. Okay. At face value, sounds pretty legit, right? Until you start looking at it. Why, why in this world of division do we need to start educating our children about division, right? Why is that a thing? People don't want to learn about our history. You know, they don't want to know about freaking uh, the founding fathers who were slave owners or uh, Confederate generals or any of that. So what do they do? They tear down monuments. They erase history. They don't want that taught, right? But critical race theory is okay, right? Question mark? No, it's not okay. First off, when I was in school, let's go back to when I was in school, right? When I was in school as a kid, early elementary, middle of the country, you know, farm country, where, you, where most people would assume racist thrive, right? Racism wasn't a thing. It, it was never a thing in school. We had black kids and, and Asian kids, Mexican kids, white kids. We all went to the same school. We were all friends. There was none of this going on because at that age, in elementary school especially, we didn't know any better. You're not born hating someone because they're black. You're not born hating someone because they're any other race, all right? It's taught. It's a learned behavior. And this critical race theory was being presented under the guise of teaching our children, you know, about all the wrongs in the world. All it's doing is telling our children that white is wrong and minorities are correct and we've been oppressing and they're the oppressed and we're evil and it needs to get fixed, right? That's not something that I'm seeing in society nowadays, all right? Now, that's not to say that there isn't a whole bunch of crap going on in society right now between people who already have these predetermined dispositions that are fighting one another, left versus right, Antifa versus everybody else. But in schools, we need to be unifying our children and not dividing them. As a father of a 14-year-old, I'm going to tell you right now, racism or treating anybody unequal or like a lesser person because of a skin color or their situation or their, their whether they're poor or they're rich or they're middle class, 
That's not a thing that we tolerate in my household. That's not a thing that anybody I know tolerates in their household because it's just not the right thing to do. All right. Assuming that because hundreds of years ago, founding fathers and other individuals in this, com com in this country were racist and or slave owners and or people that did generally bad things as far as race was concerned, all right, does not mean that the country now is a reflection of that racist past. All right. It cites in here that racism is a reason for these policies that have been set in our system of government to basically oppress minorities. But if you actually stop and take a look at all of the programs, all of the policies, all of the things that are in place right now and have been in place for a number of decades are meant to empower minority folks. All right. Case in point in the Marine Corps, if you want to get promoted, let's say, and I've used this example before, but I'll use it again because it's a good one. All right. Equal opportunity. If I'm a white sergeant or say a corporal, say I'm a white corporal and there's a black corporal and we are the same. We're the same height, the same weight, the same intelligence level, the same education. We run the same, shoot the same, fight the same, look the same, talk the same. Everything is identical and we're both up for one sergeant slot. There's only one slot to get promoted to and we are both up for that slot. If the EEO or equal opportunity slot is available for a minority individual to be promoted, regardless of how equal we are, the minority NCO will be promoted over the white NCO every time. Every time, right? Because our society has set up a measure of, I call it overpowered fairness, right? Because again, we're judging someone's eligibility or ability to be something due to the color of their skin or their ethnic background. And that is completely wrong, right? It's completely wrong. But it's reverse racism, right? Because freaking now we're just taking the minorities and we're elevating them above anybody who's not a minority, all right? It's not the way that should work, right? We should be judging our merits across the board, all right? Everybody in this country has the same opportunities as everybody else, rich, poor, indifferent. There are a number of government programs out there for people who are under the poverty level, for people who come from disjointed homes, from people who have mental illnesses. All of these things, the systems in our government right now are set up to help affect positive change for minorities, all right? Not the other way around. The fact that we're taking our children who are not inherently racist, and I say that again, children are not inherently racist. Division is taught. It's taught. Walk into any kindergarten class and find a white boy and a black boy, and I guarantee you they're going to be playing together. White girl, black girl, doesn't matter. They're going to be hugging each other. They're going to be throwing the ball. They're going to be stacking their blocks. It's not a thing until we, as a society, make it a thing. And that's what we're doing with critical race theory. We are injecting division and racism at the earliest levels of our children's education for what? To make sure that they're racist and divisive? Question. Something to think about. Jump down there in the comments. Let me know what you think. But let's go on to the second example. Black Lives Matter's Buffalo Soldier. The Office of Culturally and Linguistically Responsive Initiatives in Buffalo, New York, announced a new curriculum for fifth grade students last July centered on Black Lives Matter. The lesson includes learning the Black Lives Matter Declaration on Black Villages. We are committed, the quote says, we are committed to disrupting the Western prescribed nuclear family structure requirement by supporting each other as extended families and villages that collectively care for one another and especially our children to the degree that mothers, parents, and children are comfortable, the lesson read. One of the core tenets of Black Lives Matter had long been rebuking the Western prescribed nuclear family structure after much criticism, the organization took that goal off its website.
Guys, the nuclear family is the epitome of what a family should be, right? When we're talking about a family. We're not even going to touch on the whole it takes a village to raise a child philosophy. But let's just talk about the nuclear family. I think everybody here can agree that a, the picture-perfect nuclear family is a mother, a father, and children. And the father loves the mother, and the mother loves the father, and there's not abuse, and there's not infidelity, and there's not neglect, and there's not psychological abuse to the children, or physical abuse to the children, or psychological and physical abuse to your spouses. That is what the nuclear family is supposed to be. All right? Statistics for years in minority areas, Chicago, uh, California, right? One of the biggest indicators when you go back and you start looking at criminals who have been convicted of violent crime in a minority class, all right? And you ask them, the people that are in there uh, in jail or serving time for these crimes they've committed or ask, they get asked in interviews, well, why did you commit these crimes? You know, why do you think you went this way? They always point to a breakdown in the nuclear family. Well, I didn't have a father to teach me what being a man was all about. Or I didn't have a mother to teach me what being a man was all about. Or, or, or being a good man. Or this, that, and the other. So Black Lives Matter is basically taking what the nuclear family should be, attacking it, destroying it, and we're teaching this to our kids going, hey, you know what? Having a mom that loves you and a dad that loves you and family that loves each other and this nuclear family philosophy, it's stupid and wrong. It needs to break apart. But when you look at all the broken apart families over the years, everywhere in society, and especially in the high-risk minority environments, again, your Chicago's, your Seattle's, your California's, different areas out in California, you know, your inner city New York, your inner cities all over the place, right? The breakdown of the nuclear family by a minority's own volition is what causes these issues, or at least is a giant contributing factor. But so we're going to go into our schools in Buffalo, New York, apparently, and teach our children that the nuclear loving, caring family is something that doesn't need to exist. It needs to be broke apart and in turn replaced with uh, what? What? Does everybody get together and love one another and frick and then that's going to be good enough for a family? Maybe it is. Maybe it's not. My opinion is no, the nuclear family is something that actually needs to exist and it needs to be something that's taught. You know, we need to teach our kids that a family needs to be parents that love each other. Kids that love their parents, parents that love their children, they look out for each other. And if we started that nuclear that nuclear family block and start building, I think what we're going to see is we're all going to come to the goals that we're looking to achieve in our society a lot quicker than if we tear it apart and teach our kids that yeah, it doesn't need to be a thing. Let's just create more division. But instead of racial division, now it's family division. We're trying to teach our kids through this philosophy that not only does race divide, but family needs to divide as well. And that was such a piss poor idea that as it says here, the organization Black Lives Matter finally took that off their website and is no longer propagating that information. But how detrimental is that to our kids? Not only are we going to inject in that there's a racial divide and you need to recognize and understand that, which propagates the divide. Now we're going to teach them that the nuclear family, a good family setting is wrong. We need to tear that apart and create division in the families as well. Ridiculous. Example number three, homework for parents. At the Shipley School in Brian Moir, Pennsylvania, a private primary school that can run upward of $40,000 a year in tuitions, parents are asked to decenter whiteness at home in their family. Decenter whiteness at home in their family. For those of you who are listening to me and you're a minority, uh, you know, or what's considered to be a minority, personally, I think we should just take minority, majority, throw it out the damn window. I think we should take white guy, black guy, Asian guy, Mexican guy, girl, or whatever, and throw that shit out the window too. 
I'm a man, you're a man. You're a woman, she's a woman. You're a kid, he's a kid. It doesn't matter what color you are. It doesn't matter your background. It doesn't matter if you're rich, poor, or indifferent. We need to stop looking at everything through race-colored glasses. And the people that are propagating this anti-racial propaganda here are blanking it all in a giant cloud of racism. And it's obvious, it's common sense, and that needs to stop. That needs to stop. How do we stop ignorance like this? We stop it by starting educating our children correctly, right? By not creating social divides, economic divides, educational divides, racial divides into a class of person, our children, who inherently don't have understanding or desire for those divides, right? Maybe that's how we do it. Anyway, he goes on to say, pay attention to how your language may perpetuate universal standards of beauty, speech, behavior, dress, conflict, resolution, etc. A memo from a middle school teacher read, it is quite common for a person to compliment two of my three children on their beautiful blue eyes. While I always appreciate the compliment, I'm conscious of my third brown-eyed child. What message is she receiving about how she fits in with the European standards of beauty? When in my own positive and negative interaction with my children have I come from a white-centered approach? Fucking really? Pardon the F-bomb, but fucking really? All right? Pay attention to how your language may perpetuate universal standards of beauty, speech, behavior, dress, conflict, and resolution. They're saying this to white people about mitigating the European standards of beauty. But correct me if I'm wrong, guys. Wasn't Wet Ass Pussy the fucking number one song in the goddamn country? Right? And it wasn't sung by a white lady. So you've got these folks telling us to not compliment people on their beauty. Right? No one's saying the brown-eyed girl isn't beautiful. But that person just complimented the blue-eyed girl. Maybe the brown-eyed girl's beautiful too. Maybe she's uglier in a jar full of squashed assholes. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter, right? These people are now going to come in and be like, hey, guess what? You need white people to not perpetuate universal standards of beauty, right? You need to be less white, right? But then you've got a black lady up on a stage talking about wet-ass pussy. It's so good. Look at me, bumping and grinding on another chick at the awards ceremony. What message is that sending to the youth? Right? What message is that sending to our kids? That giving compliments about beauty is wrong because it might offend somebody somewhere, but getting half naked up on a stage and grinding up on some broad and saying, hey, freaking my wet ass pussy is the most amazing thing ever. Well, we're going to make that the number one song in America. We're going to make that what these young white, black, Asian, Mexican, and all other ethnicity kids look up to and recognize as the correct way to do business? Call me old-fashioned, guys, but a little bit of common sense here says telling someone their eyes are blue and pretty and propagating sexual exploitation of everybody, right, are two completely separate monsters. But we're going to say this one's awesome and this one's not. And that is a giant problem. And just one example of the giant problem. And I'd like to hear from some people who are on the other side of this for me. Because this isn't even a right or left thing to me. This is a common sense thing. Don't sit there and tell me that I can't compliment somebody on their intelligence, their beauty, or whatever. If they have something that's beautiful about them. And then turn around and tell me that as a person I need to accept the fact that you, the people on the other side of this, are going to teach my kids, and anybody else who will listen, that... Being a hoe up on a stage and freaking yelling about your wet ass pussy is something to be awesome and proud about. Now, with that being said, I want to go out and say I have no problem 
with individual adults who grow up and want to be exotic dancers or want to be entertainers or in Nevada want to work in the sex trade. Those are all legally sanctioned businesses. Those are legitimate ways to earn income. And if you're good at that and you want to do that and that's your thing, hell yeah, go forth and do your thing. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is we have two very different standards here right now. And the one that's being propagated in our communities is to teach the most filthy way possible to be to our children versus the teaching that have decent common sense and morals, right? We need to raise them up first and let them make their own decisions later. And we need to raise them up correctly. My opinion only. I know you're going to have a difference of opinion here and I welcome it. You're allowed your opinion. I'm allowed mine. And hopefully we can find some common ground. So on this topic, if you guys want to hit me up in the comments and let me know what's going on, I'd love to hear from you. And uh, I'd love to have that conversation because this one, maybe, maybe I am seeing it all wrong, guys. Maybe I'm reading this and I'm just seeing it wrong and my common sense is misleading me down the wrong path. And if that's the case, let me know. Let me know what you think and let's see what we can figure out. Number four, fear and learning in Las Vegas. A black mother filed a lawsuit against a Las Vegas charter school earlier this year on a course that mandated seniors list elements of their identity that would be regarded as privileged. William Clark was compelled to participate in public professions of his racial, religious, sexual, and gender identities and wouldn't be, excuse me, and would be labeled as an oppressor on those bases, the mother's court filing read. Lessons in the course include statements such as reverse racism isn't real and that the traditional idea of family reinforces racist or homophobic prejudices. In my mind, that is ridiculous. All right. Common sense tells me, one, why are we having any kid, black, white, or indifferent? Why are we pulling them in and telling them to talk about their identities and why some are oppressors and some are oppressed, right? I'm pretty sure that 14-year-old kid, right? And I don't know. I don't know. Maybe he did. But I'm sure that the majority of 14-year-old kids out there aren't actively oppressing minorities, all right? But I can tell you this, and I'm pretty sure on the flip side that a lot of minority individuals, especially in your inner cities, they're the ones popping out a lot of racial slurs. They're the ones calling out the white folks. They're the ones that saying, stop being so white. And why are they doing these things? Because we are teaching our kids and each other divide from day one. From day one. It's wrong. Common sense dictates. Knock it the hell off. Treat each other like people. Stop pulling people out and saying, you're the oppressor and you're the oppressed and you're wrong because you're white or you're right because you're black or you're wrong because you're black. We can do this all day, but all, none of it makes any sense and it gets us nowhere in the conversation. It stalls us right here so that we make a line in the sand and this guy hates this guy and this girl hates this girl and everybody hates everybody, right? We have so much hate in our world right now and it's because... We are injecting hatred. We, adults, are injecting hatred into our children for what purpose? To ensure that hatred continues to exist? And that's not just on the white side. That's on every side. Bar none, every side. Number five, Amazing Grace. At the Grace Church High School in New York City, students were asked to stop referring to their parents as mom and dad. While we recognize the quote from the church says, while we recognize hateful language that promotes racism, misogyny, homophobia, and other forms of discrimination are already addressed in our school handbooks, we also recognize that we can do more than ban hateful language. We can use language to create welcoming and inclusive spaces, a memo from the school read. And again, we're teaching our children that moms and dads are wrong, that being a heterosexual is wrong. All right. Yes. I'm not an idiot. 
I know that for years, homosexuality was freaking buried under the rug and something to be ashamed of, right? I know that freaking all this stuff was a thing, all right? But how do we fix that by taking away common language, common sense things? I have a mom. I have a dad. You have a mom. You have a dad. The gay gentleman down the road, guess what? He has a mom and dad. That's how kids are made, kids. Penis, vagina, semen, egg, child. That's how it works, right? A mom is a mother, a person who bears a child. A dad is a father, the person who helps contribute to the creation of the child. These are basic common sense words. What are we thinking? It's no wonder these kids are growing up just baffled, confused, because all we're doing is injecting a giant heap of bullshit into our schools and expecting these kids to walk out with a greater understanding of how to move forward in a peaceful, loving society. And it, in my mind, with my common sense, completely wrong. Do I think that gay individuals need to be welcomed into society? Absolutely. Do I think they have just as much right as a straight individual? Absolutely. Transgender, freaking, uh, however you want to identify. Right? I was in the Marine Corps. I served this country. I, I was in the military for the sole purpose of ensuring our rights and freedoms. And you, as a citizen of this country, whether gay, straight, lesbian, um, transsexual, bisexual, alien, poodle, whatever it is you choose to be, you have the right to be that. As an adult, you have the right to make that decision consciously and live your life the way you want to. You do not, however, have the right to propagate this training, this indoctrination on children as a whole, all right? Teach them the things they need to know. Teach our kids how to balance a checkbook. Teach our kids how to stay out of debt. Teach our kids how to hold a job. Teach our kids how to file their taxes. Teach our kids things that they need to know when they're adults. And as they grow and they learn, and they become of an age where they can make their own conscious decision about who they are and who they want to be or how they want to identify, then let that conversation happen then. What we're doing right now is nothing short of brainwashed indoctrination on our children, and the only fruit that this tree is going to bear is going to be rotten. Let me know what you think, guys. Jump down into the comments. Let us know what you think about the critical race theory or any of the topics we talked about today. Again, this has been the first new launch episode of the Common Sensian, where we're going to approach a bunch of conversations and a bunch of topics with a lot of common sense. Hope to have some special guests pretty soon. Want to keep this going. And I hope that today's episode is going to spark a little bit of debate and a little bit of conversation so that maybe we can start pulling together as a community and figuring crap out the right way. Because the way we're doing it now, in my common sense, is the wrong way. All right, guys, that was our last segment. Stay tuned. Upcoming next in the Common Sensian, your daily moment of common sense. All right, Common Sensians, here we go with your daily moment of common sense. Guys, in a world that is crazy, in a world that has lost its damn mind, we need to put some common sense into things. And the common sense that I want to share with you guys today is this. We need to love one another. We need to understand one another. We need to have conversations with one another and express our viewpoints. And it needs to be okay that my viewpoint might be different than yours or that yours might be different from mine. But what we need to understand is if we approach topics, if we approach life from a position of equality where your points are valid and my points are valid and we can actually have an open conversation about that, right? and I can accept some of your points, and you can accept some of mine, and we can create a concept now that is a good mixture of yours and mine, 
we're going to advance further in this society. We're going to do good things, and we're going to have a better understanding. Common sense is going to tell us, though, when we don't do those things, when we get angry with one another, when we focus on racial, ethnic, uh, monetary divides, when we try to educate our children in a manner that creates a divide, when we continue to propagate the divide or promulgate the divide between everybody, that's wrong. Common sense dictates that's wrong. And it also dictates that we are not going to advance. We are not going to become accepting. We are not going to be the society that we want because we're not going to allow it to happen out of our own sheer ignorance. Guys, I'm Jerry. You've been watching The Common Sense, and that was your day's moment of common sense. And remember these things. One, like, share, follow, hit, subscribe on the YouTube or on any of the other platforms you're listening to me to. Shameless plug. All right. Love one another. Be good to one another. Use common sense. Simplify. Common sense ain't that common anymore. Seems common sense is past tense, just like the dinosaur. Political correctness has got a lot to answer for, cause common sense ain't that common anymore.